on, Howard. The odds of us picking up girls in a bar are practically zero. Oh, really? Are you familiar with the Drake equation? The one that estimates the odds of making contact with extraterrestrials by calculating the product of an increasingly restrictive series of fractional values, such as those stars of planets, and those planets likely to develop life. N equals R times FP times NE times FL times FI times FC times L. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And Jim Parsons had to do that right on at least one take so they could have themselves an episode of the Big Bang Theory. (laughs) That's amazing (laughs) stuff. We are so delighted to have you folks with us on this weekend. Hope it's a good one. We'd like to help that along if we can. We have a gentleman by the name of David Jay who is joining us today. I don't know that I've worked with this gentleman before. If I did, maybe it was once, but we get to today. David, how are you, sir? I'm doing good this morning. Welcome to Manson Mitchell. I hope that the accommodations are to your liking. Yes, they are. Thank you very much. Well, absolutely. You're entitled to a stuffed pillow and a little package of peanuts like any other Southwest flyer. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Our friend Nathan Miller is in uh, Beantown this weekend and uh, visiting some places that Gary and I saw the last time that we were in the Boston area. And so hope he's having a great trip. He'll be back next week. But in the meantime, we're happy to be working with you today, David J. Oh, thank you very much. It's glad to be here. Good, good. It's been a couple of years since we had a chance to visit with this special lady. Well, this special lady came out with a book in 2010, and that was our first interview with her, and today marks her 10th interview. So you have to know that we like her because she's in double digits. There's a a rarefied air around people who have been on Manson Mitchell at least 10 times, and so she is in that rarefied air today. The double digit club. Visit number 10. She is in the double digit club the, the author of The Science of Making Things Happen, Turn Any Possibility into Reality, as a technologist, strategist, and futurist, Kim teaches people and organizations to harness the power and science of possibility. Her 25 years of business experience ranges from small business ownership to Fortune 500 executive leadership. In 2007, Kim founded Possibilities Amplified, a company that helps organizations prepare for the future and deliver extraordinary results through its executive mentorship and consulting programs. Her clients represent a broad spectrum of sectors, including government, healthcare, technology, finance, manufacturing, hospitality, and nonprofits. And what also happened during those last 10 years was that Kim Romanner took a road trip of a lifetime, and that is part of what we want to talk about with her today. So welcoming her for the 10th time to Manson Mitchell, Kim Romanner. So happy to have you with us today, Kim. Hey, you guys. I'm so happy to be back. It's always a pleasure having a conversation with you all. We have so much fun. 
I was saying to Gary, I don't know how we're going to weave all of the possibilities amplified into the road trip, but we're going to do that today. And we know we can do it because Suzanne and I, we live a two hour drive from Walt Disney World. And when we go to Orlando, we go to Epcot just about every time we visit Walt Disney World. And I can't go to Epcot without thinking of Kim Romaner because she reminds me so much of Kim Possible. (laughs) (laughs) If only the the, uh, trademark wasn't already taken, it would have sucked it up, definitely. I, I thought maybe that she was an inspiration of some kind. I would have loved to have been, and maybe in, in a previous life I was, who knows. You you took a possibility, you amplified it, and you went on the kind of road trip that most people only dream about. We've talked about it before, and but it's been you know, a few years. And so in encapsulated form, where did you start from and where is the farthest that you went? So my husband and I were in Augusta, Georgia, and he retired from his media um, career after 35 years at the end of 2017. And we sold our house and almost everything in it and traveled around the country, went, did a little bit of Canada um, for two solid years living in our, in our rig. And um, we visited the most amazing places. This is a gorgeous country. We need to work to keep it as beautiful as it is now. Kim, you know, I didn't remember that it was two years and uh, that is is dreamlike. That is a dreamy trip. And that's, those are a lot of the questions that Gary and I want to ask you about today. Absolutely. Because, you know, Suzanne and I took a 71 day road trip back in 2017. Not two years though. Well, that's, yeah. Well, okay. Well, thanks for stealing the damn punchline. There, but talking about 71 days, you did it two years. We were on the road 71 days, and in our sharing time at church, I happened to mention that, and there were gasps from the congregation because, you know, the idea in that fairly tight compartment of our SUV for us to be going coast to coast, north to south, and tic-tac-toe around North America over 71 days would tax the patience of most couples, and yet we made it work. You know, it is a very small, confined space, and I had probably a bigger rig than most people, but um, it still is a small space. And um, there are all the things that happen to you when you're on the road, you know, when you're when you're new to this to this whole road trip thing and you're dragging a giant piece of equipment behind you, you know, watch out for the trees, I guess I would say. But uh, and the bridges. But we. felt very at home. We were taking our home everywhere we went. And we've run into so many people and told them about this adventure. And that response is the most common one. Oh, I would love to do that. And it, it fascinates me because, you know, you can do you can do this traveling on a very small budget. And you can do it on a very big budget. But the question is, what budget is right for you? And then how do you get there? And so that is the first step in the possibility amplification process, which is to create a vision of what you want to have happen in your life and then take the steps to make it so in a, you know, in a short, a sort of foreshortened way. And so once we began to have the dream, then we began to, to figure out the steps and do the investigation. And the more we investigated, the more we realized that this was something that was possible and that we were going to do it. So it's available to everyone. 
what what was that did you did you take a long time to do the the planning and the anticipating part of it because i i wouldn't think since you sold your house and went for 2 years that this was something that you could have planned in a week so did it take you know months years how long like was the vision being held and nurtured and fed by you before you actually took off? I would say we probably cognized on this, cogitated on this for about six months before we left. And this was a really fun part. The vision building is so much fun because my husband got into what kind of equipment should we have? He's a vehicle guy, you know? And so he's researching all the different vehicles. How much do they cost? Can I, should I get one new? Should I get one uh, new? Um, what kind of truck do I need to pull the thing? And so he was going to all these dealerships, test driving the cars. So it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And I was looking at, well, what do I need in it? You know, how are we going to fit all of our clothes in it? What do I need in this little kitchen that I'm going to be cooking in? Um, looking for those kinds of things. How do I live on a day-to-day basis? And also um, I was still consulting at the time and I took my clients on the road with me. And I continued to work while we traveled around the country. How am I going to do that? So I found a podcast called RV Entrepreneur, Heath Paget and his wife, Alyssa, and listened to that. And I learned how many people are out there making money while they're traveling around the country so they can have an income. Well, now it's really getting exciting. If you can actually make money, not just spend money. When, when Gary and I were preparing for the show today, we were we we came up with a couple of, of uh, places that we really wanted to kind of go in deep on, and that was people and places. And 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 I I said to Gary, um, you know, we we heard the story about what happened when you ran into a, a tree and you had to get the the uh, RV fixed, but I'm wondering. We had an experience one time with um, uh, dummy light going out on the car and taking it to a very, very, very small town and where they had almost no services. And a, a mechanic actually took my car and drove it, leaving Gary and I in some dingy little mechanics place thinking, Oh my God, we just gave our vehicle away. And he came back and he said, um, he said, I think it was just a little bit of dust in the computer. I reset it. It, it said such and such, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's just fine. And you're good to go. And I said, well, you know, what do I owe you? And he said, well, you don't owe me anything. I didn't fix anything. I know, but, you know, for time and driving it around, checking it out and all that, he goes, no, 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 you're, we're good. We're good. And Gary and I just talked about that for the whole rest of the day, that, that somebody was out there giving service and not expecting any, any money for that because he really didn't do anything except, you know, do a a little diagnostic work and wasn't going to take advantage of us. And I was wondering in your trip, the kind of thing that would have happened that really would have restored your faith in humanity. Who did you run into? 
Well, you're talking about uh, one of the times we hit a tree, <laughs> but there were two times. And that one was out in the campground right next to Lake Tahoe, which was absolutely beautiful. But they had these really giant sequoia-like trees that were protected. So you had to get your rig around these giant trees to get into your spot. And it was very tight. And we were very excited to be there. And Michael got a little too, we started going a little too fast. And we, we caught the side of the rig on one of these trees. And I was yelling, stop, stop. And then we had to figure out how to get it off. Because if you went forward, you're going to do more damage. If you go backwards, you're going to do more damage. And one of the guys that worked at the park in maintenance, you know, they had some equipment there. And even though he wasn't supposed to do this, he got out a jack and he put it under the back, a big one, like a forklift jack, you know, under the back of the rig and tilted us off the tree and lifted us up and moved us past the tree. And I'd have no idea how we would have gotten out of there without doing significant damage to the rig. I was so, I just loved him. I loved on his arm for like 15 minutes saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. He was so great. I won't mention his name because I don't want to get him in trouble with his employer. But it was just like that. You're, you, you end up in a campground being a little family, right? And so everybody is helping everybody else. You lose a piece of laundry. They want to save it and say, hey, I found this in my, in my dryer. Is it yours? That kind of thing. Um, you know, they're, they're constantly helping you to avoid certain roads so that you don't get caught and in trouble. At one point, we were leaving a campground. Uh, I can't exactly remember where we were, but um, the, the um, railroad um, blockers, what do you call those things? things that come down to stop you from crossing a railroad Arm, track. Arms, maybe? I yeah, the know. arms, Cross right. Bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah those like things that. came down in front of us, and um, there was no train. We waited and waited. There was no train, so something was wrong with the signaling there. And so uh, one of the smaller RVs behind us, also leaving a little camper, he was able to go between the arms and cross the tracks, but we couldn't, and neither could the guy coming in the opposite direction. So those guys got out of their truck. We got out of our truck and we manually lifted the arms uh, ourselves, <laughs> which, which they're not light, by the way. We manually lifted the arms so that he could drive through and then they lifted the arms for us so that we could drive through. So when you find yourself in those emergency situations, there are people there that are kind and willing to help you. It's a really, you know, we do have a lot of great people in this country. We definitely do. May I get a little bit woo-woo on you, Kim, because uh, Suzanne brought up the story about how we were going through, we were rolling through North Carolina, and we had there a, a tense moment trying to figure out what was wrong with our car, and she told you the rest of the story. Or did she? <laughs> now I get metaphysical. But first, a question. And for those of you at home, yes, this is odd, but it also just indicates to me how the human mind operates, conscious, subconscious, and beyond, and what we pull toward ourselves, perhaps through the law of attraction. There are other ways to explain it. But nevertheless, let me ask you, Kim, where are you living right now? Which state? Florida. You live in Florida. Oh, which part? Which town? And She's on we're the in Lantana. Well, yeah. we can... I think it's it's only uh, polite for all of us to meet in Naples and have lunch at Olive Garden. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows? That could happen. So, or we'll get over there because, you know, I want to see more of the Atlantic side of Florida anyway. Okay. Happy to have you. 
Oh, it'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, I before we took off on our trip, don't think me a nut, but here I am going, you know what? Around the southern states, there I'm aware that there are things you don't see in terms of the wildlife around the country. And one of those things is a notorious little critter known as the brown recluse spider. And mm. I said to myself, hmm, now I sure wouldn't want to get bitten by one of those, but I am curious about them. I've been curious about them for the last 30 years. When I first started hearing about them, I'm going, well, what is this? I'm glad I don't live where they are indigenous. Now in North Carolina, they are common. There. So I thought, you know, as we're traveling around here, if there's a safe way for me to see one of those in their native habitat, that would be interesting to me after some of the research I've done and et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious about them. Very curious, in fact. And so I said that would be OK with me to actually see one. And, um, you know, just as long as it's not on me, that's all right. So we make this trip. And we're going through North Carolina, and all of a sudden, the idiot light is on. I'm going, oh, man, I got to pull off to the side over here. And we went to two places, ultimately. The first one, we stopped at a nice young man, took a look for us, and he said, you know, I better send you on to to, uh, my buddy up the street here, and uh, he can tell you what's wrong. He was a very nice, polite young man, and I wanted to be equally polite when I saw that his index finger, which was fully exposed, had what I would describe as a mass, a rather lengthy mass of necrotic tissue. That is the trademark of the brown recluse spider bite. Tissue dying, there's a a black or purplish area around that, and then scar tissue builds up over it, and it takes a very long time to heal. So with that being the case, I'm brand new. This kid's trying to help us out. I wasn't going to, hey, what you got there? So I just didn't say anything because I already knew. I had checked out these things, you know, photographically over many, many years. I knew what I was looking at. I've discussed this with physicians there. So I was very sure of my own diagnosis, if you will. We left and we went to see his buddy. Wound up, they went to high school together. And then the gentleman we saw next told us that, oh, it's really only a piece of fuzz that got on there. There, There's nothing, no charge, nothing that needs to be fixed. I did not leave that garage without telling this other gentleman that if he will tell his old high school chum, who appears to have been bitten by a brown recluse spider because of the wound that I saw, that if he would tell him to go to his local pharmacy or even just local health food store, whatever, maybe grocery store and get some vitamin E oil. There are people of my acquaintance who have been bitten by that spider. And when they, for the sake of the suppleness of their skin and helping it to slough off, to heal, in other words, to accelerate the healing, you can take vitamin E oil and just pad that on there, keep it coated every day for a while, and you will see rapid healing. That is not typical with that spider bite. So, but I've seen it work. I know people, a lady out in Las Vegas used it to very good effect. And I just mentioned that so he could tell his buddy. And I hope that he did. I hope that it helped him. Moral of the story, and here I am being inferential. I'm talking to a scientist, so I got to watch my language here. I am being inferential about this, but for me to say, you know what? I would like to see a brown recluse spider without having one on me because that's dangerous. I do not wish to be bitten. And then we go there, this very weird circumstance involving a piece of fuzz inside the steering column and causing the idiot light to go off 
pulled us off the road into a place where I saw one a person, one young man who suffered the effects of this bite. It was very clear to me that was the case. And so I just didn't want to be impolite by talking about it. He's helping us out, you know. And so with that being the case, no, I did not see on that whole trip, I did not see a brown recluse spider. But in my mind, the universe allowed me to see what one of those critters could do. And that was good enough for me because I sure wouldn't <laughs> want on my index finger what he was sporting there. That was a nasty wound there. And I just thought, isn't it interesting how mind works? Capital M mind. If it's going to put you in danger. I mean, what if the only way I could see one was I got one in my bed, a frequent occurrence where this spider is indigenous happens all the time there. Uh, I wouldn't want it inside my shoes. I don't want it inside the bed clothes and all this, but I was allowed to see the effects of what one of them could do in all probability. That too is a matter of observing life, Kim, watching it and going, what's the principle here? What is the connection, if any? And it gets you thinking about your connection, your connection and really more generally, the connectedness of human beings to our environment, wherever we are. And you know that we're all connected by the matrix, so to speak, the energy that flows through the universe. I mean, when you think about it, everything in the universe is energy, space, or information. And what we do is create information. And we are creating our own universe in that way every day. And so what universe are we each creating? And you know, right now, it's, it's kind of tough to create a universe of positivity when you've got so much stuff going on in the world. And so we are being inundated with this now that we can see everything and the, and the internet and so on. And so, you know, you're talking about Roe versus Wade, the Ukrainian war, um, the, we're afraid that we'll push Putin to use his nuclear weapons. There's no baby formula everywhere. There's scams everywhere. The LGBT community is being harassed. You know, there's so many different things that are these large scale issues. Climate change, which I, which is my primary area of volunteerism right now. And so what do you do about all that stuff? It's just layers and layers of stress. And then you have your personal stressors. Like my, my uh, sister got a kidney transplant last weekend. Oh my goodness. And uh yeah, and she uh you know, it's a wonderful thing but it's also a very stressful thing because it's a journey that starts with the transplant, right? Is it all going to work out and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just like getting married, you know. <laughs> it's stressful on everybody that's involved with the situation. And you as you know, I I shared with you that I had a stroke in my right eye about a year and a half ago and I've been blinded. And so, you know, there's 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 bombs falling on Ukrainian families and so on. So, you know, how can we take this stuff that is very stressful to us? You know, when, when we get into these stressful situations, we get these blinders on and we can't see anything because we're, our brains and our bodies are locked down so tight. And so um, how do we open ourselves back up to those possibilities? And that's what I like to share with people, opening up to those possibilities and, and seeing them. And, you know, I'm a person who um, believes that everything is possible and that if you apply the right, um, the right faith to it, the right belief system to it, and there's a lot of science behind this. So um, uh, you can read a book called The Biology of Belief, for example, by Bruce Lipton, Dr. Bruce Lipton, um, that we can do things that we never thought were possible for us. 
And traveling by RV is certainly one of those things. But yes, if you want to create recluse spiders in your experience, which I personally would not recommend <laughs> no, because they are very dangerous, um, they will show up if that's what you want to create. And so, um, you know, we, when we decided to go RVing, we decided that's what we wanted to do. And by the, by the end of our research, by, by month three, let me say, of the six months, we were, we were, it was happening. It was not, not happening. We were definitely going on the road. And then it was about, you know, researching campgrounds and where, what, what is the, what are the highways we want to take and all that kind of stuff. And then it becomes this beautiful adventure and we can apply that uh, everywhere in our lives. What, what made you decide initially that you wanted to sell your house and travel for two years? What, what kind of pushed you into that? Was it just thinking, you know, life is short, you want the adventure? I mean, was there, was there anything? How did, how did you come to an agreement with another person, your husband, to do something so radical? So um, both of us knew that we didn't want to retire in Augusta, Georgia. Um, I, you know, I, I, the sad part about that is, is that my first grandchild was just born to my, to my daughter up there. And so we're traveling back and forth to Augusta all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, we, he, he was retiring and I had my own business. I was running a business brokerage and I didn't really want to continue that business. And also, we, again, we didn't want to retire in Augusta. So we were thinking, well, where are we going to go? Where do we want to live? We knew ultimately we wanted to be down in Florida near my family. My mom's getting older. My sister obviously has health issues and so on. My son's down here with his wife um, and, and other family members. And so we thought before we do that, before we go down there and then want to be stay with them as long as we can, what can we do that would be just for us? And mm. so every possibility is open at that point. We wanted to be close enough to, to Augusta so we could continue to see our daughter and her husband, et cetera. Um, and, but, you know, also Michael's parents had passed, both at 93. And so mm. we no longer had that wow. tie um, into the area. And so then, then all the possibilities really were open. And so... Um, we wanted to see the country and, you know, it's a very affordable, actually a very affordable way to see the country when you're camping. Um, some campgrounds are very expensive, of course, but it can be done very affordably. And so, um, we, the bug, the bug bit us, I would say. And then, you know, I like to say that the universe has momentum. So once you have created the vision, the vision is going to start rolling like a wave. And once that happens and it's all going in the right direction, you got to ride it, yeah. you know, yeah. you got to ride it and go with it. Even if it seems like it's going too fast, you know, stick it. And so that's what we did. And, um, after that, it all happened really, really fast. We found the perfect person, a state salesperson to sell all of our stuff. And, uh, we, we got a storage center and pushed the rest of the stuff we wanted to keep for personal for which I paid enormous amounts of money over many years, which is stupid. I could have bought everything in there five times by the time we got it out of there. We've um, all done that, Kim. We've all yeah, done that. Right. Yes. So, so that's really what happened. Once we got the idea, to our, the idea, the vision into our head, that was the universe that we wanted to create. And we did it. We are at the bottom of the hour and need to take a break. But Kim, Kim Possible 
in our dreams and our imagination. <laughs> so glad to have you with us. Anytime you share airtime with Manson Mitchell. I would like to talk to you when we come back, among other things. Suzanne has more questions, of course. But I would like to talk to you about the personal application of scientific laws that have been understood to whatever degree going back thousands of years. And some very smart people articulated those laws. And you have a very good grasp, Kim, on how they work and how they can be applied by anyone. Would you be up for that when we come back? You know I would. Outstanding. Okay, why don't we go ahead and take our break? Kim Romanner is with us. We're going to talk some applied science when we come back. You will be so entertained. We are Manson Mitchell, and you're tuned into Seattle's home of alternative talk, AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. And our guest for the 10th time is Kim Romanner. Her book came out in May 2010, 12 years ago. So we are very happy that she has been with us for all this time, making science understandable for the average person. Kim, if people would like to get your book or connect with you in some way, is there a good way to do that? Sure. Um, You can visit my website at possibilitiesamplified.com. 
tense.com. That's possibilities, plural, amplified, past tense.com. You can also find my books and audios on Amazon. And, um, you know, I, I am now working on a, on a series of science fiction novels. So another possibility I've always wanted to turn into reality. So you should be seeing those up there pretty soon, too. Very good. Thank you. I did want to uh, pass along my thanks to the good folks at Feedspot.com. At Feedspot, they take surveys of podcasts. We're also a live broadcast, and we're podcasts. Well, wherever you get your podcast, you can find Manson Mitchell. But more particularly, I wanted to say thank you to them for making us aware that in their most recent survey, they rated travel programs. Now, you heard what Kim said about being yep, in that big yep, rig of yep, her. She I and her heard. husband. Feedspot notified us at American Road Trip Talk. That's a show, a half-hour program heard live on Seattle radio right here at AM 1150 each Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific time until 1.30. And in the latest survey, wouldn't you know that for the second time in a row, we are rated number one in that category of podcasts. Yay. Yay. Now we don't need a golf clap. Now we got Augusta, Georgia here. I'm not looking for the golf clap. I'm just saying that we're grateful to our listeners. That's you folks who tune in to American Road Trip Talk 1 p.m. every Friday. Wow, do we have some wonderful guests and you learn about all the places you can go, particularly accessible by road. You can get in your uh, car. I suppose you can bike if you wanted to, motorcycles, whatever's going to get you there and go to some wonderful places. Some might even choose RV. In fact, Kim was on the show at least a couple of times where you're not, Kim, talking about that. Yep. Well, that adventure, oh, that prime material for conversation on that broadcast and podcast. (laughs) So thanks to Feedspot. And uh, we'll see if our luck holds up for a third survey. But we have two in the books as number one, and we are both surprised and very grateful. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask you a question, Kim, about one of the laws that is, however well or poorly understood, not without a lot of evidence going back as far as philosophers have been looking at human society and the human mind how things get done or don't get done. And it's known as the law of reversed effort. My very partial understanding of that, Kim, is that you can bust your hump and not succeed or to the degree that you would prefer. And then you find once you relax the strain, in a sense, you're letting go, but being mindful of your goals, your targets, you can reach them in a way that conserves energy and still gets you where you want to go. Do do I have at least a basic grasp of the law of reversed effort as I say that? Yeah, you do. The harder you try, the harder you fall. Um, Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're not about trying here at the science of making things happen. We're about taking the power that already belongs to us and figuring out how to use it correctly. Um, If you are, so that you are aligned with the universe and you are amplifying your possibilities in a way that will be successful. So, um, you know, I'll give, I'll tell you a short story. Um, years ago, I was, I'm in, you know, I was in the national speakers association and I was a professional speaker. I do that to some degree now, but, um, back then I did it a lot. And I got a guy who called me and said, you need to have this book, this printed book of all the places that are looking for speakers. And it was huge. And, and everything. And I thought, you know, it's recession now, uh, not 
you know, I'm shifting my business model. That's not really a good fit for me. And he got super angry at me, super angry. You need this book. If you don't have this book, you're stupid. And all this other kind of stuff actually got abusive on the phone. And, um, and I said, after listening to him rant for a while, I said, Hey, Brian, why so angry? And he stopped and he said, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, let's talk later or whatever, however we ended the call. And then he called me back the next day and he said, you know, I wanted to thank you for pointing out that I was so angry and I want to apologize for that. My mom died the other day. Oh, oh my gosh. And, yeah. And so he was taking this emotional energy and trying to create success in his business um, but in a negative way, right? He was trying, trying, trying. I got to make some sales. I got to make some sales. I'm not hitting my numbers. And of course, he's in this, all this emotional angst. So that's what we want to avoid. And so um, there are a lot easier, gentler ways to create what you want. Shall we talk about it? Yeah. Anybody who wants to do much <laughs> of anything, why would you not want to know this stuff? That's what occurred to me. I was watching some YouTubes in regard to this. That's what gave me the spark here to ask you this question. It was so opportune with you coming on the show today. People, you know, conserve your effort and enjoy the fruits of your not efforting, not trying, but succeeding through in a most natural way as you apply your energy most profitably. Who wouldn't want that in their life? Well, that's the way I look at it. And my, you know, my thought process is it should be easy and fun, easy and fun. And if you're not seeing the fun and it feels really hard, then you're not doing it the right way. So let's talk about how we can make it easy and fun. First of all, there is the dream, the vision, getting really clear about what it is you want to create and not about what other people want you to create, but what you want to create. So that you're clear about what you want, what you want, okay? Not meeting other people's needs, but yours. And you have to be very clear because if you don't know what you want, the universe doesn't know either. And it's going to have a hard time helping you amplify it correctly. So first of all, get that vision really clear. Feel really good about it. Put a lot of emotional energy into it. And in the book, I talk about the way you can make a very powerful vision work for you, okay? Once you have a clear vision of what you want, there has to be a leap of faith. And so um, you have to believe that you're capable of, of creating this vision. And so, you know, the truth is when you're on the way to create a different universe for yourself, you have to change you. You need to go to you 2.0. And so, you know, there are several ways to do that. I'm going to use an example from the book, and it's a very old example now. You guys have heard it, but it's Cary Grant. You know, Cary Grant was a made-up person. His name is actually Archibald, or was Archibald Leach, and he grew up in a very horrible household, but he decided that he was going to be uh, a, an actor, and he left England and came to the United States and started doing vaudeville and finally got to pictures, and they named him Cary Grant, and then he became Cary Grant. He decided that he was going to be the suave debonair person that you see in the films and also in his personal life. He decided that that was Archibald Leach 2.0 was Cary Grant. And he began to act as if he was that person and he became that. And everyone accepted him as that. 
and you know what kind of fame that he had as a result. So you can start from anywhere and create whatever it is you want um, with that leap of faith. And the other thing, you know, we talk about this from a scientific perspective. This has to do with epigenetics, which, you know, I don't want to use a lot of big sciencey words here, but, you know, there is a biology of belief and you, are, you can turn on that creative flow, but you can also turn it off by the way you're viewing the world. And if you're feeling stuck, it probably means that you're in that kind of um, stuck state where you are, uh, your negativity about things is holding your own creativity back. And so uh, how can you have more fun today? How can you see the world in a different way today? What are you grateful about today? Gratitude lists are a great way to tune into the things around you that you are blessed to have. And so um, that's one tool you can use. And there are many, many tools in the book um, that can help you get to that. Um, the second thing you can do is to uh, create as much information about that vision in the environment as you, as you can. So what I mean by that is, let's say you want to buy a new car and you, you, you go look at the dealership, you drive the test drive the car, you talk about financing, you begin to see your car everywhere, the one that you want to buy in all the different colors. Um, so you're starting to get some momentum going about getting that new car. And if you keep telling everyone, I'm getting this car, I'm getting this car, I'm getting this car. If you write about it in your journal, if you create these informational records, if the car belongs to you, you can't wait to take it to the car wash and all that sort of thing, then you are embedding that possibility into the universe. And so, you know, that's called decoherence, which is basically breaking the present to, re to create room for your future. And so you you've got to break the patterns which are exhibiting in your life today if you want to create a life that's different. That's about, that's a couple of the scientific discoveries in here. And there's a few more, which we can talk about too. You, you mentioned um, belief and the biology of belief, the Bruce Lipton book. And um, it's interesting that you want to be believing the right things because when you are um, de deconstructing your uh, ways of thinking about the world and looking at the world, part of that is going to involve your belief system and especially the belief that you can't have something that you want. Well, I'd like it, but I know I can't have it because of all of these reasons. It's very reasonable not to be able to have what it is that you want. And so when you're, when you're talking about um, having, having faith and having belief, you want to make sure your belief is, is in the direction of having the success, because I think there's a matter of getting rid of some old beliefs. And, and I, I say that not cavalierly. It is very hard not to believe what you believe because what you believe you think is real and it's the truth. And how do you look at the same situation and say, I'm going to believe differently about this? I mean, don't you think that's that can be difficult, Kim? Yes, it can. And so, um, it, you know, it's a process. When you're changing yourself, 
It is a process and it does require work, but the work can still be easy and fun. And so uh, each of us has a belief management system. We're not, not really aware of it. Most of us don't pay any attention to it. We don't really even catalog the beliefs that we have in life and how they are affecting us positively or negatively. And so if you were to think about your belief management system, how would you change it? Um, is it working for you? Where are things getting hung up? Do you have the right resources in place? Are you working the right process? Um, is this the relationship that you're trying to fix getting hung up all the time? How do you know if that relationship or process is outdated and you need to um, update it or dismantle it or replace it? Um, and, you know, I think about that in terms of relationships that we sometimes don't uh, you know, obviously, we don't get into relationships in order to get out. But as a business broker, my main uh, point to business owners is, is that when you start a business, you better know how you're going to exit it. Because otherwise, what's the point? I mean, you want to try to create value for yourself by doing this, not give yourself a job. So what is your exit strategy? And so when I was a kid, I used to believe and when I was when I was adult, I believed that I never won anything. And I had to go back into my history and remember, have I ever won anything? I hadn't even really examined it. It was just something in my head that needed to be examined and reconstructed. And so I remembered when I was in elementary school that I won a cakewalk at a jamboree. And I got this, I got to pick my cake and I got a big chocolate cake and I carried it all the way home and, uh, and you know, ran all the way home with it <laughs> to give it to my mom. And I was so proud of myself. And all I did was stand on a number when the music stopped and I, and I got the cake. But the point was is that I won something and I didn't have to work for it. I always thought that I had to work for what could come to me. Now I know that the universe can deliver my desires in about a kabillion different ways. And when I try to tell the universe how it's going to come to me, I am limiting the universe's ability to respond. Because there are so many ways. You have no idea how these things are going to come to you. So let the universe do its how stuff. And you just think about what it is you want and imagine yourself having that thing. And deconstruct the beliefs that are not serving you. And then, of course, after I decided that, of course, I win things, I started to win things. And I started to notice it. And so I had opened myself up to a channel of receiving things that wasn't open to me before. This is oh, extraordinary. This is exactly what I was hoping you would be instructing <laughs> us. In, unbelievable. I just, I just mouthed the word wow while you were talking to, <laughs> us, to all of us, but I mouthed the word wow to Suzanne because I thought, you know, this is the kind of stuff that should be printed on the face of money. You shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to forget, <laughs> you know, that this is the kind of thing that is available to you. If you are a sentient creature in this universe, you have the means at your disposal because you are, to the extent you're aware, fully participatory in this universe. You're a part of it, and it's a part of you throughout, from the day you're born, even before, perhaps, hey, eh? uh, the day you're born mm -hmm. to the day you die. Beyond that. Who knows? But while you're inhabiting that body of yours and you carry around that brain, you have the opportunity to experience extraordinary events based on your faith in principle and your application of it. I love what you said a moment ago, Kim, about 
not limiting the universe. It reminds me of what a science of mind minister, and Suzanne and I are persuaded that that philosophy is useful to all humanity, the science of mind by Ernest Holmes. And a preacher was talking about that one time, and she said, don't worry about how something's going to happen. We all worry about that, but what if, but what if? She said, you're in charge of choosing the what. You let the universe or God handle the how. That's how it works. Correct. And, you know, but I will say that, um, you know, you, you also need to make sure that your vision is big enough. Because um, we tend to sell ourselves short on what we're capable of creating in our universe. And so think, think bigger than you normally would think. I mean, put in everything beautiful and wonderful. I still have in my mind a, a, a stone patio that overlooks the sea. It's a house that I own. And there's fresh flowers everywhere in the house and there's a beautiful buffet breakfast on a beautiful table on the on the patio and there's just this garden all around i have drawn that it is still in my head and i'm still getting it i don't know exactly when but i'm still getting it and so you know keep those things in your mind put them before your your vision all the time and think way bigger so you know an example would be if you're a small business owner and you say i want to make I want to um, double my revenue for my business. Well, okay, that's a great goal. And you might have some ideas about how you and your team could get that done or you by yourself if you're a solopreneur. But what if you said, I want to increase my revenue 10 times? Then, (laughs) I'm sorry, a quote just showed up from my motivation app that says, the next chapter of your life is going to be so amazing. So. The universe is with us here today. Apropos. Um, Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you thought in those terms, then your whole strategy would be completely different. The way you would go to market would be completely different. The way you would handle your customers would be completely different. So think about the biggest thing you you can think of and then see what the universe tells you about what's possible in that really bigger vision. This becomes a spiritual practice or certainly a philosophical one. One could even say a scientific practice, because if you're focused on the results, I don't think the average person is all that concerned about the how there. If you subscribe to the science of mind philosophy, one of the things, one of the missteps people often make is outlining. If they would like to have a life mate, Well, I use that stuff to very good effect. That's why we're Manson Mitchell. There are other people say she's got to be a fiery redhead. She's got to be really good in bed. She's got to have her own money. She's got to uh, not force me to share my food with her when we go out and she's having a salad. She'll keep her hands off my French fries there. And we're going to have this great wedding. I mean, it's going to be in Hawaii and it's going to be not, not just Hawaii, but it's going to be Maui. And we're going to go whale watching on this boat. That's known as outlining in the circles in which I traffic, because you are so specific. You're just, it's like you're tying the hands of the universe with your perfectionistic expectations. When what you really want is happiness to be happily mated in this life. You can leave the rest to the cosmos. It really doesn't require training wheels provided by yourself. 
Well, that's true. And when I wrote my first vision of the man I wanted to be with after my divorce from my first husband, I read it later and realized that what I'd written was the anti-ex vision. And that's not what I wanted at all. I wanted I wanted happiness and I didn't know what that package looked like. And so, you know, I had to define how do I want to be in this relationship? How do I want to feel in it? So, yeah, you you have to um, you have to open up to the bigger concepts. It's happiness. It's fulfillment. It's serenity. Those feelings that you're trying to create in yourself. I think that's an excellent point. Gary, very, very good. You're getting me fired up about my own possibilities today. So you get what she does you, for a living <laughs> and did for a career. Now it's more of an avocation. She's just having a good time and agreeing to come on the radio to talk to us and to the people who take the kind of things we are discussing seriously. I think that's so much of what you bring to the world. You're showing people a way forward if they will consider it, if they will try it. And I don't mean try as in efforting, but give it a shot. Give it the old college try. And you might be amazed at the kind of results you obtain. It's happened for me. And I know it's happened for Suzanne. I know it's happened for you. It sure has. And, I, you know, the, we've only covered a couple of the pieces of science that make this whole thing fire on all pistons. So they can find the other three discoveries and how they all fit together in, in the book. So I hope some folks will take the opportunity to do that. I don't even own the book anymore, but I still believe in it. And so um, I encourage folks to take a look. How do you not own the book anymore? It's got your name on it. My publisher really owns it. Oh, and so that's, okay. that's fine. It's a true of all traditional publishing, by the way. Um, mm. But uh yeah, but you know, it's the the science and my my husband tells me to go back and read my own book a lot because <laughs> we all we all remember and forget, yeah. right? We remember yes. and forget and so we all have to remind ourselves of of these things that we can do. But he says it with love. He sure does. <laughs> That's why we're married. <laughs> Kim Romanner, we've got to do this again soon. You're inspirational and I'm so happy for the way you live your life and the gifts you've given the people who pick up books to read with self-improvement in mind, people who aspire higher, and we owe you a debt of gratitude. Oh, thank you, you guys. It's always great to chat. And, you know, I really do want people to look at this stuff and, and have an opportunity to exercise it. So thank you so much for having me again. Happy to be in the double digits. All right. Take care and join us again next Friday. We look forward to doing this all again next Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on AM 1150 and 1150kknw.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. 